0: In a world that expects young people to spend all their time wasting time, how do we build a life that matters? How do we find what we are made to do and earn a living while doing it? Join me for a behind-the-scenes look as I document my journey of building a business from literally nothing. I'll be sharing what works, what doesn't, and what I am learning each step along the way, as well as interviewing others who are further along the path, both in life and in business. My name is Isaiah Malston. And this is The Worth Living Life. Hey guys, and welcome back to The Worth Living Life. This is your host, Isaiah Malsted, And today we have a really special, a really cool episode. I'm joined by a special guest, Jeff Harding. Uh, We met online actually in a Facebook group for Christian podcasters. So Jeff is originally from Phoenix, Arizona. He's worked with a host of churches, camps, and retreats of all sizes since 2004, Uh, He's currently a youth minister at a church in North Dallas in Texas, and he hosts his own podcast called Youth Ministry Maverick. So I went and dove a little bit into Jeff's website and what he does. And the thing I noticed is Jeff really is passionate about investing into the next generation of the church, uh, helping students own their faith by equipping the leaders in their lives. So Jeff, I'm super excited to have you join me on today's podcast.
1: Thanks, Isaac. I'm really glad to be here.
0: So, Jeff, I'm really curious. Like I always love to hear people's stories and how they got where they're at, especially cause it relates back to as young people looking for a purpose, you know, as, as we look to people who are further ahead and are further down in life and figure out how they got where they're at. So what, what made you decide to get into youth ministry?
1: Yeah. Um, well, I grew up uh, in a very large church in Phoenix and uh, when I entered youth ministry, Uh, I did not have a very great, uh, self-image. Uh, my self-esteem was pretty low. Um, and my youth pastor who was pretty new to the church, he had gotten there probably a year or two, I think before I got into youth ministry, he lived a mile from me and his oldest Mm. son, Wes is my age. And so Mm. I was able to make a very quick connection uh, with him and his family mainly through Wes, of course. And mm. as I entered into youth ministry, it was certainly uh, much different than children's ministry with the frequency of events, the depth of conversation. And I got to be over at their house a lot. In fact, at some, at some points, some might say that I was over there more than my own house. Mm. I got to see my youth pastor, Mark, uh, at home, at church and i saw his consistency of character how excited and passionate he was about investing in teenagers Mm. and how much he loved the lord and loved to encourage people he is probably Mm. the most relatable human being on the face of the planet Um, Mm. and he is in his mid-60s and he is still a vocational youth pastor down in the houston area Mm. Um, so he was quite an inspiration and Uh, they actually moved to Houston uh, when I was still in high school and growing up in the church and being about 16, I thought, well, of course I'm 16, so I already know everything that there is to know about being a Christian. (laughs) Um, But what do I do now? How do I keep growing? And one Mm -hmm. of my uh, really good friends, leaders, and mentors said, You need to start using that and pouring into others. You need to teach others what you know, and that's how you Mm. keep growing. Mm. So I thought about that a lot. And pretty soon after that, I felt a call to ministry. And so I came back uh, from summer camp and I dove into student leadership. I was president of FCA at my high school and I got into college leadership And I started seeking out uh, opportunities to serve and volunteer. I engaged in three uh, summer internships, one at my own church and two in Florida. And Hmm. I've been investing in students and working with teenagers ever since. Hmm.
0: That's awesome. So there's like a couple key cool things that I picked up from your story that I think are very important. And the first is that you had mentors in your life. So you want to touch a little bit on that. Like obviously, you know, you shared who it was that mentored you, but like what impact did that make on your life as a teenager?
1: Yeah. Uh, Well, uh, I came from a divorced home um, Mm. that happened a few years before I entered youth ministry. And so Mm. that was certainly part of my self-esteem issues. The other Mm. part was, you know, I was kind of shorter. I was a little heavy. Mm. Uh, I had some acne, you know, and I just, I never was, uh, the funniest or the most athletic or intellectual. And I was always trying to catch up. Um, and so I wouldn't be less than, Mm. and, uh, I had some great, uh, Sunday school teachers, uh, when I was in, in children's ministry. In fact, when I was at my ordination after I graduated from seminary, uh, I had my second grade, fifth grade, uh. Sunday school teachers who, who were there even. Mm. Um, but especially when I got into youth ministry, you know, starting in seventh grade, the leaders that were with me on, on Sunday mornings, on Wednesday nights, um, we'd go to Sonic after church on Wednesday nights. We play football on Sunday afternoons. Mm. Um, they really took time outside of church to invest in me, to invest in my, in, in my friends. And, mm. uh, you know, the leaders were really really good about not just being on sunday morning but really hey this is my group and i'm with them mm-hmm. and uh i can point back starting in seventh grade at each season of my life and tell you the, the names of all of the mostly guys certainly there were women in my, in my life who had a big mm-hmm. impact on me but but mostly guys and if money and logistics weren't an issue, I probably would have had a line of groomsmen at my wedding back to the wall. Uh, <laughs> and I, I can I can pick up the phone, text, call, shoot an email uh to any of those guys now and we'd pick up right where we left off. And mm. I'm really, really, really appreciative to them and I'm in their debt. And I'm as much mm. um a product of the church family as well as my biological family. I really feel mm. that's true. Yeah. Mm. That is awesome.
0: So as young people, cause I know for a period in my life when I was younger, I, I had some of those guys who invested into my life, but at the same time, there were seasons where it felt like there was really nobody around me that was like that, where I was looking for someone who's further on the path. And, you know, obviously, you know, I had both parents in my home, so that was an amazing blessing. And, you know, that, that mentorship, I guess, on the one hand was super cool but there's something about someone who's not your dad, someone who's not your mom that sometimes, especially as a teenager, when, as you shared, you know, at 16, like I know everything about the church. And now what do I do you know, you're, you're kind of at that point where you think, you know, everything. And so sometimes it takes that person outside of the family. Um, but do you think that this is something that it just kind of happened that you were in that environment where there was a lot of people who were willing to invest into you or what, what advice would you give to some young people who would say maybe, Hey, That sounds super cool, but I don't really know where to look or where to find someone to mentor me or disciple me.
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, I was very blessed being in a huge church to have a lot of people there um, Mm. who were already set up to welcome me in. Mm. And I do not take that for granted one bit Mm. because, you know, Mm. I've worked with different churches and ministries who have several students who you just talked about, you know, That's something Mm. I would love, but I don't know if I have anyone around who'd be willing to take the time to invest in me, who maybe thinks I'm important enough, Mm. Um, and what I would say is youth workers, you need to be, if you are at a a rural church or if you don't have that many leaders around, you need to look at the other youth pastors and churches in your area and Mm. look at what they're doing, make a friendship with them, have joint events, learn from them, have lunches. And when your students see you engaging with other leaders and willing to be mentored and learn your, yourself, I think it gives mm. you, when you're learning yourself, the, the uh, motivation to then help your students more so that they can have that. And I realize that numbers are always going to be a certain thing. You know, I, I'm from a mm. large church. I worked in large churches and the church I'm at now, that I work at, uh, is certainly the smallest church by far. Um, and here in Dallas, uh, there's a church on every corner and there are a lot of churches that have much bigger numbers, both, uh, people and budget. And I can't compete with that. And so what I want to focus on is building relationships. Mm -hmm. And if students are in a youth ministry, whether it's a volunteer, a set of parents, from the church who are running it or, you know, an, an on-staff youth minister, um, they have someone who's available to them. Now that that person can't be Superman or Superwoman and they can't fill every single role, but mm-hmm. that's one influence that they can have. And um, when, when students find someone who could help them in that way, instead of trying to pin everything on that one person, like, okay, you're the person who's going to help me out. Um, asking questions on who else um, do you know that might be a good influence for me or or someone to talk Mm. to. It could be an elder Mm. at the church. Um, Mm. It could be the youth pastor's neighbor. Um, Mm. It could be um, any of those people who maybe in the traditional role aren't involved in youth ministry, but could disciple, mentor, have a really good influence on students And so I know that's hard for students who might be wrestling with things to step out in faith, but Mm -hmm. I think youth workers need to meet them not halfway, but 75% of the way we need to be trying to make sure that our students have relationships that are long-term, not just Mm -hmm. for this semester on a Sunday morning. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think that's so critical because the interesting thing, I went through a phase of life when I was younger where I was asking myself the question, why don't I have more close friends? And it was interesting because as I kind of went through that season and was learning and growing and diving into God's word and a whole bunch of other stuff was happening, I started realizing that I was waiting for someone else to come at 75% to me Mm. before I was willing to take that 25% toward them. And so I was sitting back kind of in a position of being passive and waiting for someone else to be my friend before I was theirs. Mm. And so I realized both from just a peer-to-peer side of things, but then also like in that mentor-mentee relationship or in those different areas where I had maybe more of that that teaching position where suddenly I realized, no, I need to be a friend first. I need to be willing to go that 75% and let those other people come to 25. And that was when I started finding all of a sudden close friends that were right under my nose when I took the extra time to ask them questions to invest and build into their lives. Yeah. Even in the times when I wasn't even sure of who I was, when I wasn't even you know, didn't even feel like I was where I wanted to be just by taking the time to ask questions and listen and not even try to offer any advice, but just to be there. That's when I started building close relationships. And when I started finding more of those older, wiser folks who all of a sudden were building into my life without even really me trying, it just kind of happened when I was willing to step forward. So I love what you were saying there going that 75% first. That's awesome.
1: Yeah. So, uh, yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So you shared a little bit about, you know, your self image and where you're at. And then also when you got to that certain point where you felt that call to ministry, how did those two things work together? And what did that look like in your life? Kind of that wrestle between the image you held of yourself, but at the same time feeling called to do something for God, what did that look like?
1: Yeah. Uh, so when I moved from junior high into high school, um, You know, I still had the leaders at at church, but uh, when I was at school in junior high, uh, my character, how I talked, what I talked about, how I acted was very different than at church. Because like I said earlier, I was trying to do everything I could basically uh, to fit in Hmm. and to feel better about myself by having other people look at me as popular or with them. And so i moved into high school um everyone knew me as ryan's little brother uh, because Mm. my uh, brother had just graduated that previous may and i came in in august Um, and he was in the marching band and i was in band as well Uh, and so those four years uh, that he was in band i'd go to every football game and i'd be playing football under the bleachers and watch Mm -hmm. their band performances and so uh, i already kind of knew the culture at my high school um, and so I was quickly able to make good relationships. I didn't have to try for those. Um, mm. And as I got older, obviously, you know, I uh, grew a little bit and I started having more confidence in, in myself. And so by the time I got about halfway through high school, um, I was in a definitely a better spot than I was in junior high. Um, mm. But that that's just with the natural course of life and, and growing. Yes, Mm -hmm. I still experienced hardships. Yes, there were certainly times when I thought uh, I was less than. Um, But uh, I would say that I wasn't looking for that call to ministry to say, well, now I'm worth something because I can do this. It was really a place of, um, I know all these stories in the Bible. Uh, I've done spiritual disciplines. I've grown in my faith. But what is it all for? What does it mean? Is it just head knowledge? Is it just, mm-hmm. um, extended s- a season of my life, um, where I can say that I did good things and went on mission trips and had fun, but then, you know, as I get older and into college and being an adult, it doesn't really matter. Right. It hadn't mm-hmm. set in my life in a very practical way. You know, I was trying mm-hmm. to have good morals and set boundaries and all that kind of stuff in my life, but who Jesus was and the power of the gospel and what that meant for my daily life as a believer really hadn't connected for me yet. And Mm so um, that's why I was having that conversation with my leader. I'm like, what do I do with all this? Mm -hmm. And so he was helping me to uh, switch from being a sponge to being a pitcher, to being Mm -hmm. able to pour out what I've received. And what I still tell students now is, you know, I have several students who help out uh, with our younger kids on Sunday morning d- during the service, or with VBS, or we go on a mission trip every summer. Uh, hmm. Obviously, not this summer with COVID. Uh, but hmm. there's a refugee camp about an hour east of here that helps with refugee students in the Dallas area, and and I tell them when you're teaching someone something who doesn't know anything about it, or reading them a story that you've heard 50 times. Is it uh, humbling because as you're reading it, you're picking up things that maybe you haven't seen before? And when you try and teach someone to do something that you know how to do. You have to go back in your mind to think, what was it like for me not to know how to do this or what this was about? And so Mm -hmm. you learn as you're teaching. And that's what my leader was trying to help me see is you're growing as you're helping others and you're helping others to grow along with you. And that's what Mm. making disciples is. Um, Mm. That's how we grow all together uh, into the likeness of Jesus Christ. Um, Mm. And so that perspective for me helped me to take my bank of knowledge and experience and make it real and make it practical and have it be able to affect others around me instead of just, reciting Bible verses or saying church answers on, uh, on Sunday morning. Yeah. Mm.
0: So that transition point then, so you went to that leader and asked him those questions of, okay, I have all this head knowledge. I've been in church. I've learned all these things. What does this mean? How am I supposed to practically apply it? Mm-hmm. And so that's when he started sharing that that whole, which I love that analogy, stop being a sponge, start being a pitcher. Yeah. And so you started doing that. So like, what did that look like? Like practically, like what changed in your life? then? like, how did you start doing things? Like what were those first steps you took?
1: Yeah. So uh, right around that time uh, when Mark uh, left, uh, we had a new youth pastor come in, Jim. And uh, Jim had a different model for Wednesday nights and he really wanted to maximize the outreach factor. And so mm. instead, of having, instead of having Wednesday night programming all at the church all the time, would have it at the church about once a month but then outside of that we'd be at homes so based Mm -hmm. on where you went to high school um, you would be at this house if you're in 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 that part of Phoenix or you could be at this house or this house and Mm -hmm. at those houses obviously he would have staff but he would also have student leadership teams and he would ask students uh, who wanted to help out with that and so each week um, we got together with the staff person that was at our house and we would say who's coming up and leading the game who's going to be welcoming people and following up with them, who's mm. going to give the talk, um, you know, all, all of those things. And yeah. so um, I was right on board with that. I love that idea. And I hopped in kind of at the ground level with that. And for those t- two years, I was able to help out and I was able to gain experience sharing uh, devotional or mm. being able to play games. And man, uh, going from being a student to trying to lead especially your peers. Um, Mm -hmm. it is humbling. It, it helps you to grow quickly, even though it's a long process, you quickly realize how insufficient you are when you thought you Mm -hmm. knew a lot of stuff. And really it's like, man, this is hard, right? All Mm -hmm. my leaders make it look easy. Um, and so (laughs) that was how I got involved, uh, at at the church. And then at my high school, um, I started doing sports, um, Mm -hmm. started running cross country and, and track. Um, and I was still involved in marching band. I was on the drum line. And so uh, I would always see clubs and, and all that at school. And since now I had a car and I could drive and not dependent on my mom or dad to, to drop me off somewhere, um, I started looking into those clubs. And one of them was Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Hmm, sure. Um, and the Fellowship of Christian Athletes chapter for Arizona, for the whole state, actually had an office at my church. Oh, um, funny. And so uh, I was able to make some connections there and I really enjoyed it, mainly the donuts, you know, uh, <laughs> and we would have people come in and speak. Um, and the director, um, of FCA, um, was, uh, a former football player for the 49ers. And mm-hmm. so he could really speak to the, to the football players, obviously who were there, who were definitely there for the donuts. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, relate those sports analogies and the struggle and the pursuit of all that to the Christian life and what it meant mm. to be transformed and die to your old self. Mm. Um, and, and I really loved that element of outreach in high school because uh, mostly at, at school uh, up until that point, I was just there t- to be there. I had fun in my classes, I had fun in, in band and all that, but I was mainly just to be there and then to go because I couldn't wait to get to church because church mm. to me was always like, this is my crowd, this is my family, this is where I love to be. And mm. so being an athlete and having to work hard in a different way and having some more independence and actually viewing my students, uh, my uh, peers at high school more than just hear my people who are in in class with me and some of them are are my friends more as, Hey, you know, all these kids are just like the kids at at my church. And most of them probably don't know Jesus have and haven't been the church and haven't Mm -hmm. experienced some of the things that I get to experience and I would want them to. Mm -hmm. So especially in my senior year of high school when I really got involved with FCA leadership, uh, I was able to kind of apply that as well. And so, Mm -hmm. yeah, that, 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 that calling. Uh, was kind of a switch, but it's a process, just like anything else. It's Mm. a marathon. It's not a sprint. Mm. Uh, Patience, and then more patience. And and that's when you realize that God's definition of good is not ours, and His timing is not our timing. Mm. And we have to be truly dependent on Him. But when we're dependent on Him, not trying to be independent and prove ourselves, that's yep. when we see his, his work around us. And that's when we're truly blessed. Mm, amen.
0: And, and that's something I think that is so crucial because I think oftentimes as young people, we're looking for that, that big switch. Mm-hmm. We're like, okay, I'm here, but I feel like I want to do something for God. And so I feel like it needs to be something entirely different and try to be radical. Like I need to sell everything I have. And like the moment I graduate high school, I'm like moving to China as a missionary or something. Right, right. And and occasionally God does call someone to something big like that. But for most of us, it's those small little changes. It's the God showing us clearly the next step we're supposed to take. And oftentimes it's this weird, simple little step that sometimes leaves you feeling like it's so simple. You're not even going to take it, Mm -hmm. but we need to take it and be faithful because that's how all of a sudden looking back, we can see how those little transitions in time shaped where God brought us
1: yeah absolutely and uh, i think I think at that point in high school, what I learned is um, uh, when I was a freshman, we did uh, a Henry Blackaby study experiencing mm-hmm. God, um, mm-hmm. and that really changed my perspective on how God uses people and circumstances, mm-hmm. not just you know if you pray for this and then it shows up and, and there it is right it's it 's around you, and so I started learning to not pray for it's one thing to happen, but God give me an opportunity so that I can engage with this person so that so that this might happen. And mm-hmm. man, that changed my perspective. That changed my prayer life. And mm-hmm. there were opportunities all around me, <laughs> more mm-hmm. than I could probably handle. But um, you know, I failed at a lot of them, but uh, it helped me to grow and help me to see, man, kind of take the blinders off and look broadly and see all these places that God is at work. And it's not Mm -hmm. just with me, you know, I'm Mm -hmm. not, I'm not more special than anyone else just because I know Jesus, you know, Mm -hmm. God loves everyone around me the same. Jesus died Mm -hmm. for everyone here, not Mm -hmm. just me. And I want them to know it. Um, And so how can I engage with them? uh, Not just with words, but with actions. And there were plenty of opportunities that God uh, gave me, and there are plenty for our high school and junior high students now, for sure. Hmm.
0: So, what would you say then? Because you know, this is something I felt when I was younger. I didn't have maybe a full picture of how I don't know how to say this—how big God was, or or how much the gospel really meant. Hmm. And so, it was interesting because, as a young person, especially you know, being not necessarily the most confident all the time, if you're hanging out with people, sometimes. I would see other people who seem to have it all together that you knew they didn't know Jesus, but seem to have everything together. And so I'd be like, Mm -hmm. well, who am I to tell them that there's something wrong with their life? Like they have everything together. And I know that I don't when, you know, if we saw behind the scenes, we would see they didn't. What would you say to the young people who are kind of in that position of me being hesitant to share the gospel because it can look like other people have their lives all together?
1: Yeah. Um, That's a great question. And certainly um, a scenario that doesn't have the golden bullet answer, right? Mm, um, it's, yep. it's, uh, it's kind of like you said uh, with how God answers and how he uses us. It's small things. It's subtle things. Um, mm. One thing that I uh, started doing whenever I remembered, um, I didn't make a vocal big deal about it. Uh, j- just to myself for a few seconds when I sat down at lunch, I would bow my head and, and pray for my food you mm. Usually just silent and to myself. Yeah, and I remember um, one day I sat down f- for lunch, and you know some of my friends were already there and they were talking. And I, and I did that for a few seconds, and that's a f- and it's the first time I remember their conversation stopped for a minute, and then mm. when I l- lifted my head, they kept going. Mm. I had never said please be quiet while I'm praying or whatever else. They yeah. just noticed, mm. um, and so. Uh, when people who seem to have it all together and seem like their lives are fantastic and they don't need a savior, um, when they start seeing what you're doing, and you know, you're not taking a Bible and bashing them o- over the head, um, but when people ask you questions, um, you know, you kind of lace it in with. You know, I think God is using me for this and and I'm excited about it. Very Mm. very subtle things, but very authentic things. And hopefully it will have them notice and even ask questions. And when you get to know someone long enough and you have a good relationship with them, um, you can ask them when you're talking about it. You know, someone asks you uh, about your life and what you're going to do saying, man, I'm excited because I think God is using me for this. What do you think God is preparing you for? you know, mm. kind of, you know, uh, I, I don't know. Right. And all, and that, uh, brings you into a conversation about what God is doing in that person's life.
0: Mm. Um,
1: you didn't, you didn't have to sit down and hold their hand and say, do you know Jesus? Right. Like yep. you're able to <laughs> have a real life engaging, mm. um, you know, what do you think, uh, God is doing, uh, uh. for you. Um, and when there are times of suffering, um you know to sit and listen um, and not to try and fix everything with your words our presence means more often uh, than our words do Mm -hmm. and so when you sit with someone in times of hardship and you listen to them and they express anger you maybe even anger toward god you know you can say i understand that i've been angry at god too and i'm glad that he can take it he can take any of our anger our harsh words." he made us with emotions. This mm-hmm. is normal, right? Jesus, yeah. got, Jesus got angry. Jesus got sad, right? Um, and so it's fine. And so being there in those normal life moments and being subtle and being real with mm-hmm. your words, not trying to be overbearing and, and all that, people notice. And when you have people in your life that you have invested in and they're your friends, hopefully they know you well, They'll notice that, and that's when you can start having more conversation with them. And Mm -hmm. also to remember that it's not our jobs to convert someone or whatever Mm -hmm. else. It's our job to be witnesses to them, to plant a seed, to be authentic. And, hey, if you ever want to talk about this, I'm available for it. But if they don't ever do that, you're not a failure. You're not a bad Christian. You're just being faithful with the opportunities that God has presented to you. And mm. that perspective that I started gaining at that point in my life you know influenced me, and that's the one that I still carry with me now. And I wrestle with that being in, in ministry. It's like, man, this event didn't go well, or this program didn't go well, or whatever else, or only three people showed up to our Zoom call, you know, but i 'm mm. uh, just trying to be faithful to where mm. God has me and to use the gifts that he 's given me and the, and the resources. And it's up to him to grow the plants. You know, Mm. I can Mm. plant seeds, but it's up to him to invite people into his presence and to uh, make them aware of his love. But it's up to Mm. us to show it as much as we can.
0: Yeah, that is huge. And that is something I feel that as young people, when we're when we look to culture, to tell us what we should do with our lives. Mm-hmm. On the one hand, we'll hear all this stuff like, oh, as young people, it's normal. You're just supposed to sit on the couch, play video games, watch TV, go to school, get a job, grow old, yeah. retire and die. And that's mm-hmm. it. On the flip side, sometimes some parts of culture, if you go more to the business, the personal growth and development side of things, I would say it's a step better because people are actually getting up and doing something. Yeah. But I feel that oftentimes the trap people fall into there is I need to create my life. Like whatever's happening, I'm responsible. I'm the sole master of my destiny. I need to work and hustle and create to make this thing that's worthwhile and worth having. But I love the perspective you shared because at the end of the day, we can plant seeds, we can water them, whether we're talking what we're doing with our lives, or if we're talking like in the context you were talking of sharing our faith with others. When we realize that we are not the sole makers of our destiny, when we realize that At the end of the day, God is the one who leads and guides and directs us. If we're faithful to walk with Him, to be in relationship with Him, and then as you're sharing, as those little opportunities come up, those little moments, the bowing your head to pray, the, the just doing real life with people, if we're faithful to plant those seeds as we get opportunities and to water them, A, we don't have to try to make converts. Yes, we should be faithful in doing those other things, but we don't mm-hmm. have to put that pressure on ourselves.
1: Right. Right.
0: But at the same time, we also don't have to have that, that huge pressure of being like, if this person doesn't get saved, if these people's lives aren't impacted, that means I'm a failure.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. But
0: I think it's so reassuring to take that perspective that you brought and say, God is the one who is responsible. And he's the one who told us that he's going to be the one that brings forth the harvest. Yeah. If we're faithful to plant, if we're faithful to water. So I love, love what you shared there.
1: Yeah. Thanks, man. It's, it's, it's a growing uh, journey and I'm constantly mm. learning and uh, trying to stay away from that 16 year old mindset of, well, mm. I think I know enough or I know everything. Uh, <laughs> the, the older you get, the more degrees that, that that you get, the more that you realize you don't know and will never know. <laughs> mm. So yep. it's, yep. It's, a, it's a good thing to be humbled. Um, mm. And uh, it's, it just, it, it blows your mind more and more about how great God is. And now I can kind of understand and see how Paul from his time of conversion to the time of his martyrdom, um, he grew from, you know, being this guy who, you know, I'm, I'm well-spoken and all of that to I'm the chief of all sinners, you know, seeing his sin and and the and the older he got and the more he went in, into ministry the more he saw of his sin in himself and the greater God became to him. And it's Mm. just, as you grow, you get to look back and see more and more and and just exclaim, man, how great is our God.
0: Mm. Amen. So looking from where you're at now, being in that further position, um, having more of those degrees, being further in your path, looking back, what would you tell 18 year old Jeff?
1: Ooh. Yeah. Uh, Shower more. No, I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) uh, Yeah, 18-year-old Jeff, I would tell him, be patient. Be patient. Uh, Don't worry so much about this day. I need to do this or else in the future I won't be successful. Um, Play the long game. And yes, there are important decisions and choices that we need to make. But, uh, you know, I'm not sure what the stats are now, but uh, the average college student changes their major three or four times, you mm-hmm. know, and I've had students and friends, you know, when I was in college, like, man, now I don't know if I'm going to finish college, or I don't know if I can do this, or, you know, now I have to be a pharmacist or a architect, because that's what I'm doing. I was like, no, you don't <laughs> You just <laughs> go where God, where God has you. And if you change your mind and feel like, you know what, I think I can do better in this sphere instead of over there then you just do it mm. um and you know i wanted to graduate with a, with a bachelor's degree that wasn't in ministry because i had no idea how long it would be until i was actually in youth ministry for my mm. v- vocation when i went to seminary mm. and in fact after high after uh, college um you know, I had those three internships, i had been volunteering, I did have a pretty substantial amount of experience for a college graduate. So mm. I thought, okay, I'm ready, I'm ready to dive in. So I started applying to different youth pastor jobs. Um, and I was telling myself, uh, you know, if these jobs don't work out, then, you know, I think I'll take that as God showing me that you need more experience and growth, you need to go to seminary first. Mm. And I was at different positions in each of those interviews, whether it was, I was two weeks into it or a month into it or whatever else. And on the same day, within a matter of hours, all three of them called and said, no. Hmm. And so that was pretty clear to me. <laughs> <Yep>.
0: <laughs> and I
1: was not yet ready for that. And hmm. now looking back, I am so glad that I didn't, hmm. uh, that I wasn't stubborn and bullheaded. Like, no, this is what I want. So I'm, I'm going to do it. God would have still used that, but man, it would have been 10 times more painful because Mm. I soon realized when I moved to Dallas and started going to seminary that, yeah, yeah, there's a lot that I wasn't ready for. Mm. Um, And you're never going to be fully ready. You have to dive in. It's the same as uh, marriage or being a parent or making a big purchase or going away to college or anything like you're never going to be 100% confident and ready and have everything Figured out mm, right yeah yeah faith is always involved if faith isn't involved then it's just an intellectual knowledge and it's not really depending on your savior right and so mm-hmm. you have to leap and uh trust that he'll catch you and that he'll be there and i made the move and um man i'm so glad that i did that i had a really great community uh at Dow seminary and i had great mentors and i have a youth group partnership now um just talked about that on my own podcast uh mm. and uh this is the 7th year that I've either been doing um a winter retreat a mission trip a big youth olympic games or something else with two or mm. three other local youth ministries one of them being the one that I worked at in seminary mm. um and so yeah it's definitely playing the long game which is someone which is something that a young person doesn't want to hear Because Mm. they look at being 25 as ancient when you're 18. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, you know, I'm going to be 35 this year. So uh, there's a lot that you will learn. And that if you take the perspective of I'm always going to keep learning, there's always going to be things that I'm going to fail at. But then be encouraged by by meeting other people and learning how to do this better. Yes, it's not maybe a big payoff in in, in the short term, but you'll be better Mm. for it in the Mm. long term. And you also have that spirit of humility and obedience and trusting Mm. that God has you where he has you for a reason and to Mm. be excited about where he has you. And there's a lot that I've learned and experienced, and I'm so grateful for all of it, the failures and the successes.
0: Mm. And talking about that, it's always interesting to hear. So as you were on that, that journey of growing, right? Mm Because later on, you realize like, hey, I wasn't at that spot I needed to be. And so, you know, being grateful for God, closing those doors and providing direction that way, right? Mm-hmm. So what, what were some of those successes along that path? And what were some of those failures? Sometimes those are funny to hear. Yeah. But what were some of those successes and failures along that journey of growing as a leader?
1: Yeah, um, I remember probably one of the first, well, yeah, I think it was the first time that I gave the message or the, or the talk on a Wednesday night in high school as part of the student leadership team. And uh it was sort of um an out of body experience a little bit because hmm. I was super nervous uh the day before and leading up to it. but then, as the program started, I remember playing games, I was just calm, I was relaxed, I was at ease, and it was almost natural it was like nothing you know i just started talking about jesus walking on the water and what it means to have faith and hmm. it's not bragging on myself it's bragging on the holy spirit because hmm. it was almost like i was you know you had you those dreams where you're kind of like looking at yourself interact everything and yeah that's what it kind of felt like it felt like hmm. this isn't me
0: <laughs> this <Yep. laughs> is god
1: using me and um and i loved how that felt and i loved that um someone like me could maybe make an impact on someone especially someone who who's my age uh mm. not with my massive knowledge or words or my perfect moral resume but mm. being authentic and saying this is who God is this is what I see in scripture isn't an amazing what do you see in it you know mm. um and so that i remember uh you know was how I really got excited and thought, okay, you know, I can do this. I'm going to fail. And man, I failed many times after that. I screwed up Mm. things. I lost my place in my Bible, all that kind of stuff. Um, But that made me see that God could use someone like me uh, for his glory. And Mm. uh, there were some big events that I've, I've planned. Um, A a mentor of mine in, in college he is really, really good at asking questions and driving toward better questions and having us look toward the hope of of, of Christ. And he um, always led seminars on, you know, th- thinking about things and, and writing things down. And I got into that practice as well. And that's something that I think I excel at now. And we've mm-hmm. uh, had a synthesis experience at the end of our winter retreat on Sunday morning before we eat lunch and take a picture and go home Um, and it's kind of a recap of the entire weekend Uh, and I've set up several of those. Um, I was able to set some up at my home church when I was in, in, in seminary and I went back to help with my youth group at summer camp and then obviously my youth group here Um, to set those stations up and those experiences and walking through and having students see what they wrote and to engage with physical objects like stones or chains or other things and it makes them really think about and have a tangible grip and feel on this is what I'm wrestling with this is what I heard what am I going to do with it and I love Mm. just to help students think and reflect Mm. um, because that's what we need if it's going to actually happen practically in our real life. You know, we can have a, a bunch of head knowledge, but then when it comes up to doing something, it's, uh, I don't know, cause I've never done it before. You have to dive in, get your hands dirty. You have to fail, even pursue failure, if you mm-hmm. will, because you're trying to learn and mm-hmm. not get discouraged by falling off the road because that road is narrow, Jesus said. So you're going to fall. Uh, but Ecclesiastes says, you know, blessed is the one who has someone to help, to help him up. Um, And so when you have people around you who know you, who love you, who um, you can trust when when you fall and they can help you up, um, it's really fun to see how God can uh, be glorified by you just helping people to think about him, not getting Mm -hmm. up uh, and saying, look how great I am. Uh, I know people who are fantastic speakers heard them at youth camps and retreats. I am not a fantastic speaker, but I love... Mm. To sit in small groups teach help people think have them Mm. reflect at a piece of butcher paper with a sharpie or a station with a video clip or music or whatever else and Mm. that's what i love to do Mm. Um, and so it's good to find that niche and also certainly do not take yourself seriously Uh, be self-deprecating at every opportunity uh, do a belly flop off the blob if they're all cheering for you to do it. You know, you just <laughs> sacrifice y- yourself and have fun and mm. uh, don't try to be cool. That's the big thing I would tell 18-year-old Jeff. Don't try and be too cool uh, because it turns out students don't give a rip if you're cool. They care if you're there to invest in them. That's why several mm. of the best youth workers I've ever seen are in their 70s, maybe even 80s. Mm. They're not very hip or cool, but those students know that they love them and they're there mm. for them, and that's mm. super powerful. I sh- I showed a picture when I did a, a sermon a-, a while back of a youth leader that was at camp when I was there. Um, he was 76, and he it was 10 o'clock at night. He was in the in the dining hall with the junior high guys, and he had a hairdo of green colored shaving cream and clothes on him to do like this fashion so dance and I'm like that's dedication right there that's what I'm <laughs> talking about and it just takes diving in and seeing how 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 God is at work mm. uh failures well uh we, don't, we only have so much time so I'll just <laughs> I can talk <laughs> about my, my failures <laughs> for years um but uh you know I've I've planned events it's been as subtle as I didn't buy enough pizza to mm. um Ex, like setting up a game and having everyone get in line and getting excited and saying ready go and then when they get to that point in the game i never explained what to do because i was so excited about about setting it up and they're like what do we sure. do and it throws a huge monkey wrench in and, and disrupts everything and students get irritated and impatient and, and the whole thing just you know and mm, yeah um uh you know, whether it's having a frozen t-shirt contest and accidentally freezing two shirts together and you can't pull them apart or, (laughs) um, planning a huge event, uh, and realizing that uh, you don't have anyone to, to drive. And so you have to get parents to come back to the church and help drive us to this place or, Mm. um, you know, uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot of, uh, funny things that, uh, were maybe not funny at the time but but looking back it's like yeah that that's that's funny now i I can laugh now because (laughs) it's like thank you god for reminding me that i'm not in control that Mm. i should be dependent on you and even in the failures sometimes the failures uh bring people around more than your flashy successes and so Mm. that's something that's really good to remember That's Mm. all that I would tell 18-year-old Jeff. And that's what I think of when I think of successes and and failures. It's looking at the big picture, uh, being used by God, not trying to do it on my own effort and trying to make it about my ego, trying to take my ego out as much as possible and smiling during failures and realizing that God loves me. He has me where he has me for a reason. It's not all up to me and I Mm. just need to be faithful. Mm. Mm. I love that.
0: So we're gonna wrap up here pretty quick. So I didn't leave you much time for this, but we had talked briefly before about this idea of cancel culture. Yeah. Um, So in like a a few minutes, you wanna define like what you mean when you talk about cancel culture and what you see that impacting the country, but especially young people today.
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, So cancel culture, uh, I wrote an article for youth specialties a few months ago about it and Mm -hmm. how it's affecting students. And you know, like I mentioned to you, uh, there's been several conversations I've had within the last 24 hours even on can- can cancel culture and what it means and how you define what being canceled really is. Uh, mm-hmm. But in, along with that, but also in the broader sense of being an online generation, uh, having this generation only know technology, never know life mm-hmm. without it, uh, having their interaction, their image, um, not just be at school and then you go home. It's online all the time. Something that you said or did is flashed up for the world to see. It's there forever. Um, and, you know, the actual technology and screens along with the content and how you feed yourself image by getting likes and posting things. Uh, studies have shown that it has been changing students' brain chemistry. Uh, hmm. Socially, how they interact, how they receive love. Um, how they value uh, what's important and what's not because when you watch something that's incredible 50,000 times you know you're not impressed and you need to go to an extreme to find that that hit of adrenaline or excitement and of course Mm. that's what leads to pornography Um, Mm -hmm. there's you know it's a massive massive problem with 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 students and a lot of them don't see anything wrong with it Um, Mm. one of my students who's who's now a graduate uh was a leader with young life um he was helping out with younger kids at a young life camp and he uh and in their group they're talking about pornography and one kid i was probably like 11 or 12 or 13 said you mean it's wrong to look at porn we 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 can't look at it Mm. he was dead serious like he didn't see Mm. anything wrong with it and that certainly changes your brain chemistry and affects how you have healthy relationships Mm -hmm. uh, both platonic and romantic and so um, you know how kids interact and when they see the backlash that their friends might receive um, and how if you make someone mad uh, they can't just tell their two or three friends on on the phone with the long phone cord stretching into the kitchen like when i was a kid let me hop on twitter or snapchat or Instagram or anything else and blast this person and say these terrible things. um, Mm -hmm. And you can do it anonymously. You can make a fake account. There are those apps where you can say, ask me something and people say terrible things to each other and there's no accountability. Man, that really affects students big time. Mm -hmm. And when they see their friend get blasted and they lose all of their friendships uh, at, at school because of one thing that that happened or now everyone thinks I'm the kid who only does this or access way, mm. and of course, when you look in the in the in the broader culture, uh, whether it's jobs or uh, celebrities or athletes, um, when they post or 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 tweet something, maybe it's not necessarily getting canceled, but there's a huge backlash, um, and many times it's for the right reasons. Right? It's good mm. that people who are sexual predators are exposed. It's mm. good that we look at racist rhetoric and say that's not right Mm -hmm. Um, but uh, I think that combined with their constant flood of information and seeing what happens with their friends and how they're perceived um, man it really affects people and I think it can give them the false impression that I had growing up which is more Mm -hmm. of of the of the legalistic thing of kind of one and done you know if I do something wrong if I do something that, that's really bad, not only will my friends not want anything to do with me, but God couldn't love me if I did this, mm. right? I'm mm. broken. Um, and that's a dangerous uh, precedent to set for them spiritually, but obviously, mm. certainly mentally. Uh, you know, m- many studies link this generation with the most rampant anxiety and depression cases ever. And a mm. lot of these studies, even with adults, Go back to the summer of 2007, which is when the iPhone first came out. Mm. So it's very interesting to see how social media and technology really has had a causal relationship with our mental health and how we view um, ourselves and one another because it's all on a screen. A lot of it's fake, it's Mm. through filters and it's not real. And we don't want real life because that's hard. And and, uh, when we grow through hardship, but we don't want the hardship. How can we Mm -hmm. grow? How can we seek mentors who want to invest in us? If we just want to have our own world and what we're comfortable with. Right. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. all of that is very much related and weaved together and it's messy. Mm -hmm. And um, that's what we're called to dive into and to help raise and invest the next generation because ideally we're looking to replace ourselves. Uh, mm-hmm. We want to make sure that the future is set and that we want these students to be able to learn from our mistakes, to risk, um, and to go out there in faith and to know that God is there for them. He's created them for good things. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's going to be hard, but it's going to be worth it. Mm. Amen. I love that.
0: That's, that's a whole nother podcast episode yeah. or series we could dive into there. but For uh, sure. Yeah. I, I love what you were sharing there. And uh, it's so important and so crucial. Technology is such a powerful and amazing tool on the one hand, but yet as you were sharing, there are so many pitfalls and, and so many things linked to it. So it's definitely mm-hmm. something that, that needs to be talked about, needs to be discussed and um, needs to be a, a large helping of wisdom moving into it. So. Absolutely. Yeah. So as we wrap up here, Jeff, what are, what is the best way for people to reach you, whether that's to contact you or to keep up with what you're doing?
1: yeah thanks man um well i guess the easiest way is uh i have a website jeffdharding.com and if you hop on there you'll be able to find my social media accounts uh and my podcast which is youth ministry maverick Uh, you can listen to that on your web browser on spotify on podbean and i'm currently trying to get it on google and apple and everywhere else that you listen to a podcast um this Tuesday will be my 10th episode and I just moved from going bi-weekly to weekly. So nice. that's a, that's a big jump, but I'm excited about that. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's about, uh, it where you can reach me. If you go to that website you can find pretty much any way to contact me and keep up with what I'm doing. Hmm.
0: And I'll drop that right down the show notes as well. So you can click the link, go to JeffDHarding.com and keep up with everything he's doing. Jeff, thank you so much for hopping on today. I, I loved our conversation. Loved the insights you have into so many different aspects of life and your willingness to share lessons you've learned uh, to help those who are, who are younger and who are moving forward. So thanks for jumping on, Jeff.
1: For sure, Isaac. Thanks for having me. All right, thank you.
0: Guys, thanks for tuning in to today's episode of The Worth Living Life. I will see you on the next episode. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. I truly appreciate it. If you enjoyed it, I would appreciate it if you would subscribe. If you'd like to connect, head on over to Instagram or Facebook. Remember, this life you are living is worth it. Until next time, this is your friend, Isaiah molstead